say, as the lights were turned down for a moment, I could see up in our balcony and I was reminded of something really cool. You know, we are having baptism today. As you can look to your, your right, my left, we got three folks going public with their faith in this way. There's still time if you want to do it as well. You can go home in a towel. It's fine. We got towels, okay? But as I was able to look back to the very back of our church, Kara's up there with our middle school kids, and one of the things that we're trying to do is to teach kids now what it's like to sit here later. Do you get what I'm saying? Because a lot of kids will come into church and it's like, it's time for YouTube with the headphones in, or it's all this. So what, what we're trying to do is teach them how to follow along with the message, how to participate in worship, asking questions, taking these questions home to parents. We're going to talk about that uh, here in a couple of weeks, talking through a family series that we're going to do. That, that What does it mean to lead your home? What does it mean to have answers? And some of you may not feel equipped, but we want to help you with that and challenge kids that when they get to the sanctuary, it starts to make sense here as well. All right? So go ahead, girl. Go ahead. So proud of you, Kara Myers. Love you. All right. So hey, you guys ready? Okay. You'll see on your screen uh, that that we uh, already covered our three main core values of who we are and where we're going as a church. Uh, And and I wanted to, to quickly... Um, just rehash because these three core values, as we're trying to simplify what we do, there's way too much confusion in the world, way too many things that we're trying to adhere to in life. Um, I I want us to to kind of frame what you're going to hear today, um, part about where I went, but what I experienced on my pilgrimage, okay? Um, So these three core values are something that needs to frame our thinking as followers, I feel, of Christ, um, period, but also those who are partnered with the work of the foundry, okay? And I think that's very important. And you may see at the backdrop that it's a topographical map of actually Morgantown. I don't know if you ever realized that, but it was a topographical map of Morgantown. And when I left here Thursday, because Wednesday I got back, I left here Thursday and and I looked and I was driving home and I looked out and, and looked over the river and saw you know, the, the vistas I get to, to experience. And it, it kind of took me back to a Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria when I was there thinking about, do I carry the same desire here to follow Jesus and let people know about him that I carried there? So you can see with that, we have, we have a vision, a, a space, and a place that we have to minister to as followers of Christ. So we try to encapsulate a few things to help you uh, experience what you experience here, but also take with you when you go out there, all right? I feel like we are set uh, in a prime place, a prime position to do great things within this community, Uh, but we have to realize that we are the ones to do it, not me, uh, not our staff, uh, you, okay? That's, That's we, that's us, all right? So when we talked first, we talked about an authentic community, and this is is something that uh, that we understood as uh, us living in genuine and loving relationships. And I think that's so important. I think a lot of people feel that when they come here um, because of you, because of you. Yes, I am that guy, and I will always be that guy, but I think you are that guy and gal that carry that same heart now. Uh, and this is something, a hill that we, we want to die on, that this place will be authentic and real, uh, that we are looking like Christ and what we do in this actual physical structure, but also in all that we do outside of here. So authentic community in and through Christ, 
Uh, we were given that command for us once again that Christ gave to love one another as he has loved us. Um, and by this understanding, everybody will know who we follow, all right, that we follow Jesus and that we look like him, we talk like him, we smell like him, all right? Uh, and then our second stop was spiritual formation. And I took that stop as well, and Derek took our last stop, but I took the stop on spiritual formation. This understanding when we, when we really just um, really humanize this experience that we're on a journey, all of us are on a journey, and we're and humanizing. We all are going places, but spiritualizing, we're walking with Christ Jesus, and we're formed by our relationship with Him. Okay, we we have community here where we're comfortable and we love each other and things like that. But there there's a challenge that that we have as we follow Jesus to become like Him and respond like Him and act like Him and all that He did as well. Okay, so that's our second challenge that we have and our core value that we have an inner transformation through Jesus that leads to a life lived like Jesus. All right, John 15, 4, he said, remain in me. And I talked about this for just a moment uh, when Steve was up here. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. All right, having to remain and go deep in this thing. So the last stop, Derek took you guys on and did a phenomenal job uh, as he was challenged to, to, to look at uh, the scripture, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and the challenge that Jesus gives us, the command to go and make disciples, that this life is about missional living. You live on purpose. You live with a plan. Uh, and how often do we walk out the doors of our homes or walk out the doors of this church understanding that we do have a message that we, that we have to share, but that we get to share? That we live on mission. I think these are three things that will be simple enough to try to accomplish versus like 16, 25, or 30 core values as a church, okay? So, all that being said, my my challenge for you today, um, even though you're sitting in your seat, is to understand that you are on a pilgrimage as well. Now, I didn't go to Israel with the thought of I'm going on a pilgrimage. You know what I mean? I really didn't. Um, part of it is I worked so hard to even get out of the, the country with a bunch of meetings and a bunch of conversations and a bunch of stuff. When I got to Israel, I'm like, ah, oh, finally, shalom. All right. I'm like, peace. I got on the plane and couldn't sleep. My goodness, that was terrible. Direct flight on the way over. Oh, that's terrible. However, I got there, you know, we got out, we went to, the, you know, see Galilee, all this amazing stuff and it was wonderful. But I didn't realize until I was in it that I was on my own pilgrimage, Okay, and I think we failed to see that that we are people that are messengers and we are worshipers of God, you know, uh, through Jesus, that we are we are on a pilgrimage as the spirit of God leads. So I was able to to, you know, really be present. I didn't post anything on social media. I don't do that anyways. You all know that. Um, So I wasn't about to be like, here's every moment of my life. I wanted to be present and I want to challenge you be present. Okay, period. But I wanted to be present there on my pilgrimage versus having to share it with everybody else or feeling the need. So I come back. I do want to share. And if you guys would be open, I'd love one day to kind of share all of that, maybe other than a Sunday morning, because it might take longer than that, uh, maybe after church. But you're on this pilgrimage as well. Okay, and yours is going to differ than mine does and mine did in that moment. But I want to show you some things where it really hit home for me. People ask, what was the, what was the most exciting part for you? You know, what really got to you, okay? Um, what really got to me 
um, was really understanding Jesus based out of one of my favorite stories that's in John 9 that we're gonna, I'm going to read to you later. So go ahead and open your Bibles if you have them. Uh, there's ones in the seat back because it's, it's John 9. Um, open that up and get ready for it, okay? And while you're doing that, I want to show you a couple pictures of where my pilgrimage began to take in a major way and kind of the aha moment, all right? I have hundreds of pictures, so I'm just showing you a few, all right? Um, can you go to the first picture, please? All right. This was the moment I, I first, you know, saw the city. Do you know what I mean by that? Um, the Dome of the Rock, uh, and you see that is, is, is built on, on what, where the, the old temple was um, that was destroyed, 70 AD. So, so this is, you know, basically an Islamic center, you know, for worship now. Um, but beautiful. Uh, to look at, but this was me on the top of the walls because we just walked the ramparts. Um, and you might picture like a, a movie or something like where they're running around with, you know, bows and arrows with flames. And stuff. <laughs> you know, I just pictured that. That's just me. That's the same way I read scripture. It's like an action story. But I'm running the ramparts basically, and I come to this spot, and we stop on top, and they're like, guys, this is it. Ladies, this is it because we have ladies with us as well. Check this out. So you see uh, upper right hand side uh, the Mount of Olives, okay? where Jesus would slip away, right? He would move away to this place of solitude. But you see to the left right here, which would be the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The Garden of Gethsemane, uh, sweating blood, you know, where Jesus, and, and in there are, are olive trees where um, you can squeeze them and they, like blood comes out of them. It's really pretty amazing. Um, beautiful, but this was my spot where initially I'm like, wow, just awestruck that, that I get to see what I read. Okay, next slide, please. This is a 50 to 1 or 1 to 50, however you want to put it, uh, scale building of the city in the time of Jesus. Okay, um, isn't that tremendous? All right, amazing. And this is significant because of what I want to share with you in just a moment. So you can see what it would have looked like in Jesus's time. Uh, for the most part, as, as to where he would have journeyed and where he would have walked, all right? So all the way at the top would have been the temple, and you can see, just kidding, you can see right here uh, <laughs> yeah, the temple temple, and then the Holy of Holies would be in the very back. So right back here is the western wall that goes this way, uh, where Jewish people worship and pray, because that is the closest they could get to what was the Holy of Holies, Okay, so that's why they roll up paper and stick it in the wall like it's a direct connection to God because the Holy Holies would have been on the other side. Now that's not the case. Okay, so also that's going to make sense in our story later today. Uh, this is the very bottom, which would have been the city of David, all right, where he first settled. And this right here would have been the Pool of Siloam, what we're going to talk about in just a moment and why it's significant to, to me uh, as a part of my pilgrimage, but I think it's going to be significant to you as well. This pool would have been fed by an underground spring uh, by a tunnel that was built there by Hezekiah, okay? Because a city without water is not a city, right? And what do you attack as soon as you get to a city? Water supply. So therefore, put it underground. And that was discovered uh, 1880s, I think, by a guy named Warren, uh, who came from the UK, trying to find what was the city, of, trying to find the city of David. All right. Uh, and I may, guys, it was like drinking from a fire hydrant. Okay, it was like a three-credit course, I would say, in just eight days. Overwhelming. So if everything's not exactly clear, I'm still not clear. All right. Um, but this is significant because. It plays into the story that we're going to share today, a real-life story about Jesus. Now, 
Three times a year, a good Jewish person would make their way to the temple for the feasts. Okay, they would go and participate in the feasts. And we see in a moment in chapter 7, I think it was chapter 7, where Jesus is talking to his brothers, and they're like, hey, you're going to go up to the Feast of Tabernacles, right? And Jesus' brothers, his blood brothers, are like, hey, Jesus, it's a great opportunity for you to show off, all right? Because they weren't liking what Jesus was doing. Think about all the attention he brought to the family, too. It's like, oh, here's the miracle worker again. Try having a brother like that. Okay, do you get what I'm saying? But this is real life. This was real life, all right? So uh, you, you would understand that there would have been from the, the Pool of Siloam, there was a path, and you can kind of see it. It was a roadway, <laughs> don't fall, that would have went from here up to the temple, okay? And they would have entered in for, for uh, sacrifices, for being a part of the feasts and things like that, all right? So we see Jesus prepping, his brothers getting angry at him, basically, and Jesus is like, I don't even want to go. That's what it sounds like, but then he still goes. Okay, because Jesus was a good Jewish man. We forget that often. He was a good Jewish man, and he adhered to the law, um, but he also was making something new, all right, which is really exciting. So we see that in chapter 7. Chapter 8, Jesus is causing quite the stir. So we see him speaking and debating in the temple with Jewish people. That was an opportunity uh, that a good Jewish person would have because a, a good Jewish man, and I watched this when I was over there, it's like they are constantly in the Torah. They're constantly in the word. Men, challenge, are we constantly taking our cues from the word, you know? And you watch this happening and unfolding. You know, are we willing to take direction like them? And they were constantly there. So we see this as as Jesus then going up and debating with the religious leaders of the time, talking to them about things, all right, trying to open their minds and not be so blind. We'll get to that more later, okay? So we see them, Jesus, he would take his time, he'd go to these feasts, and he, he, would, he would teach in there, and he would, he would get into the conversations and not be afraid because he knew what he was here to do. So much so in chapter 8, we hear Jesus call himself, I am. <laughs> That set the religious leaders off like crazy because nobody calls himself I am, but who? God. They were ready to kill Jesus then. They talk about wanting to stone Jesus, right? And you heard about people be, dying of, of, of stoning in biblical times. Well, everywhere you go, there's rocks. So it makes perfect sense. It's not like they're breaking down trees and making billy clubs out of it because it's, it's not plentiful. Do you get what I'm saying? So this was an an a way that people would try to silence somebody who was trying to come against what was known uh, for centuries, okay? So they wanted Jesus dead and gone and done, um, but Jesus knew that he had to get away because it wasn't his time to, to, to check out in this way, all right? Does that make sense so far? Yep. Cool. All right, so we're getting to one of my favorite stories that was my favorite before, and I think this is why it resonated with me in such a major way, Uh, where Jesus heals a man born blind. Now, we know this isn't the only time it happened in Scripture, uh, but to them it is the first time, which you'll hear about in just a moment, all right? So listen to the Word with me. Read along with me. Let it change your heart as we read together, and I'll share some things along the way. Chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples, of course, this is Jesus walking, and his disciples, which we know, uh, asked him, Rabbi, teacher, leader, right? Rabbi, who sinned? See, Jesus was smart. He was smart enough to be a rabbi, okay? He was even smarter by all the heavenly knowledge that God was giving him. Who sinned? This is what it was all about. Why are we here today, Jesus? Who did wrong? 
Okay? Who messed up? All right? And a lot of times we can get caught in the same stuff. All right? We try to pinpoint why. Sin is there because we're born into sin. Okay? Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? There's got to be a reason. And Jesus is like, yes, there actually is. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Listen, how often do we struggle in the midst of hardship? Nod your head if you're human. Right? Man, I struggle in the midst of hardship. Because the big question, a really long sentence, why? Why? Why am I here, God? Why am I in this right now? I I don't understand. I don't get it. Uh, was there sin within me? Was there something I did wrong? Um, and you, you know, you go through the list, right, of, of what you did or what you didn't do, the blah, 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 and you just go through and go through. And Jesus is like, you know what, guys, I, I, I want to use this, and this is what I'm pumped about. God wants to use difficult situations in this town, I firmly believe it, to display his glory, not in you, but through you, not because of you, but because of him. Okay, you know, I believe that firmly. So we're in a difficult spot with a lot of questions in this community that we don't have answers to, but we're going to pray for discernment and try to figure it out. Okay, so as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Jesus like, let's go. Night is coming uh, when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, Having said this, he spit on the ground. How many of you guys always enjoyed this part of the story? Maybe it's your first time hearing it. What an awesome rabbi. <laughs> now, if you've ever heard someone speak Hebrew, it's probably pretty easy for them to spit, okay? Because <laughs> all the time, all right? <laughs> However, I don't think that's what he was doing. He wasn't talking, all right? He was spitting, all right? Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Ugh. All right? Um, that's gross, all right? But... This, 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 this will mean something. So, so what did we come from? What did we come from? Dirt, dust, and then breath came within us and life through him. So you, you kind of see some symbolisms here, right? Uh, there's some, some clay, there's some dirt, there's, and then there's Jesus, and he's the water, and he is this cool stuff, guys. I'm telling you what, when you get into the word, you're going to love it, all right? Um, and then he said, go, right? Go. He told him. He said, wash in the pool of Siloam. Say Siloam. Siloam. It's kind of like Shalom, but it's Siloam. It's fun. And it means sent. All right? And we know that, that water was sent underground up to the pool of Siloam to be fed. But I also like the idea and the thought process that we are being sent to. We'll get back into that later. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. That's it. Let's go home. No, no, no. Think about that. How often do we like, you, you finish your devotions and you're like, well, that was cool, man. The guy went to the pool slum after Jesus spit in some dirt and wiped it in his eyes. And you can see, that's so cool. So, man, I'm really hungry and I would love to have a good cup of coffee right now. That was a miracle. Nutso stuff, man. Never seen before kind of stuff. Some dude spitting in the dirt and making a clay ball out of it and said, Right in the dude's eye, and it says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Like, this is really freaky. Can you imagine that? I, I don't know if I would believe him either. Jesus did some weird stuff, didn't he? Now, we get the hindsight, which is always twenty twenty. 
right? But imagine the faith of this man in this moment just to be like, I'll try anything. I've been blind my whole life, born blind. I'll try anything. Okay, spit in my face, make some mud. I don't care if it brings back my sight. I'll do whatever. Close your eyes for a minute. Can you imagine that? You're like, man, Justin, you look a lot better now. (laughs) It's because your eyes were closed. Think about being blind for a moment. A miracle. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked. This gets me right here. Is this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was, which means some did not. They said, no, he only looks like him. And this gets me. I mean, he kind of, I mean, it's his doppelganger. That's what he is. You know, he wasn't blind ever. But think about this for a moment. And this is what I'm believing, guys. I'm telling you, I'm believing. There is no greater story than a changed life. And, I, and when I read this and when I was in the Holy Land praying, but when I was walking and, and, and thinking about this, you know, I, I was thinking about names of people that I will not mention that I talked to and, and, and in the grocery store or on the street, you know, um, that, that we, we will see lives changed and we will not glo- get glory, but it'll be through God, Okay? Because people are going to see, and it's not just physical, we'll get to that more later, but people are going to see God in a new way, and people are going to say, wasn't that the one? Yes, it was, but God. Not Foundry, not Justin, right? Not even you, even though you're the instrument. Him doing the work, okay? I'm pumped for it. Let's go. Um, He himself said, I am the man. It's me, you idiots. And now I see a face with the voice I've been hating for years. I'm just kidding. All right. He said, it's me. Come on. Well, how then were your eyes opened? You know, you can see all this inquisitive, pompous, pious conversation happen. They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus. All right. Made some mud. Can you imagine? Made some mud. He made some mud and he put it in my eyes. They're like. Cool story, bro. All right, made some, made some mud, put it in my eyes, and he told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. They didn't pause and think about, that really is him. He really did get healed and all that. No, what did they seek to do? Right away, stop it, cover it up, make sure nobody hears about what Jesus is doing and wrecking culture for good, Okay. They want to stop it. Well, where is this man? Where is he? Dude's like, I don't know. I mean, he was gone fast. He's like, he go be healed, and then he's gone. I don't know where he went. I didn't even see him. All I did was hear him. Never even thought of it that way. That's really cool. I don't even know what he looks like yet. Oh, that's even cooler. Never thought of that. Okay. The, the Pharisees, they're getting, they're getting excited about this. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Again, if we can stop it now, if we can make him doubt what happened, uh, confess that you weren't born blind, but he is known as the man that is born blind. If we can stop it, he can be the man that was born with sight. It's like just like everybody else. Jesus never did anything. Move on. Let's go. Judaism, let's rock this thing out. No Christianity, which he didn't call it that then. Let's just stop it now. Okay, listen. He said, Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Now see, this gets real. Because the Sabbath 
What's the deal? You don't mess with the Sabbath. The Sabbath is under God. It's the day we rest. We don't do anything. He said, we, we don't do anything that requires energy. I actually was able to participate in a, in a Sabbath meal uh, and go to a family uh, where they welcomed us uh, to their Sabbath. Uh, they called it a Shabbat. And even the elevators don't, you can't, because you, you know your body works off electric. Did you know that? You're a conductor of, of electric. And if you make a connection, it's energy. They won't even press the button on an elevator. There are Shabbat elevators that go to every floor. I got stuck on one. I was like, holy Shabbat, I got to get off this thing. We have Shabbat jokes. All right. They're like pastor jokes, but even worse. Okay, so it was the Sabbath. They're like, bro, you're not even supposed to do anything regarding work, and here you are making clay. You weren't supposed to make anything, no pottery, nothing like that. I got to do some archaeological digging, right, sifting through stuff from the city of David, which would have been from the temple where they dumped it down in the city of David, and I actually have some pottery. They let me take it. I did not steal it. I asked, okay, I asked for permission versus forgiveness because you don't want that in customs, okay? So they, uh, they'll find things you never knew existed. Um, so <laughs> that's a dig. So I, um, I was able to bring back, you know, some pottery and stuff, and it just makes you think you couldn't make anything. You couldn't do anything that required energy. It was wrong. So not only was Jesus making pottery on the Sabbath, but he was healing somebody. A double whammy. You're working. And Jesus is like, this ain't work for me. Can you imagine that when Jesus was on a healing fest? He's like, you know, behind the back stuff. I think he was not diminishing at all. I'm saying how powerful. Okay. Mm, Come on now. All right. So Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. It's like, come on, guys. Are we going to go through this again? Yes, okay. He says, all right, okay, okay. They asked him. The religious leader said, "Uh, how did you receive your sight? He says, he put mud on my eyes, right? And I washed, and now I see. We've been through this. Did you talk to your friends who brought me here? Okay, he, he, he spit, he made mud, he put, I know it's gross, he put it on my eyes, he said, go wash, and now I see your ugly faces. Do you get what I'm saying? He's like, nice garb, by the way. Uh, this is what, that's what happened, right? So what do, they, what do they do? Some Pharisees, not all, said, this man is not from God, right? Remember Nicodemus, one who vouched for Jesus later? Not all Pharisees. There were people that were getting turned toward Jesus. The hearts were turning, okay? So there's hope, all right? Um, They said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. That is the greatest thing you can do is keep the Sabbath. Uh, He is not following Mosaic law. He is someone that is straight breaking the law. There is no way he is from God because he doesn't keep it. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? How can a sinner do this? God wouldn't do this through someone that's a sinner. There's no way, because this is so loving, this is so kind, this is so fulfilling, this is life that he's bringing here. Nobody would do that. If they were a sinner, they'd be selfish. They'd like create money for themselves or create a relationship. You see what I mean by this? Not this. This is selfless. This man has to be from God. All right, so they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. (laughs) Can you imagine what he's feeling I want to start throwing punches because I can see where I'm hitting now, okay? Uh, They turned again. What do you have to say about him? It It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. 
Used to be the one that people called Jesus, right? But now it's becoming personal that he's a prophet, that he was sent from God, all right? The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Think about this. You a grown man or woman, and somebody's saying, well, where's your parents at? It's like, come on, man. They're, they're having Sabbath. They're eating right now, and you're going to pull them out of their house so that you can ask them, is this your son born blind? Okay? Think about it. We don't ever put ourselves in stories like this and see it like this is real life. All right? They ask, is this your son? Is this the one you say? You say who was, you say you claim who was born blind? How is it now that he can see? It's impossible for something like this to happen. You get what I'm saying here? <laughs> Pious and pompous. They said, look, especially the mom, we know he is our son. That boy weighed 8 pounds and 16 ounces. That's 9. <laughs> All right? This was a big boy. Think about it. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. Do you know what we went through for this kid? Running into walls all the time and tripping over stuff. Had a child-proof the home. Think about that. It's like palm branches everywhere. They bounce off stuff. It was all organic before organic was cool. Okay? Yes, this is my son. You fool, right? But there was still fear. But how can he see now? Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. They said, we don't know. They said, ask him. He's of age. He's old enough within the law to be a man, to speak for himself. He, he is someone that can tell you the truth and will be able to suffer the consequences. Okay, why? His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. What were they afraid of? Okay, because they had already, all right, the Jews already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out. Not just the synagogue which was the epicenter of Jewish life, but put out of the Jewish life. Do you get what I'm saying here? If you claim this Christ, people say that he's Jesus, right? You see it starting to build? I say he's prophet. But if you claim him as Christ, the Messiah, you're way done. And the parents were like, I don't know if we're willing to give up our, our Jewish heritage at this point to agree to these terms put before us. So you know what? He's a grown man. He's a grown man, and he can make his own decisions, and he can reply as he sees fit. All right? They were afraid. Um, that's why they asked, is he of age? A second time, they summoned the man who'd been blind. Don't you hate watching movies that are redundant? Don't you hate watching movies that you figure out? Do you know what I'm saying by that? You got this one. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He can't be from God. He replied, listen, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. He's getting angry now. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. It's helping Aiden work on some uh, paper, and he put a lot of exclamation marks where they weren't needed. Yeah, you know what I mean by that? Because that's what we do now when we text everybody. It's like, hello! It's like, why are you yelling at a text? But this man put an exclamation mark at the end. The voice inflection went up. He got a little loud. He got a little angry. I would too because he's like, leave me alone. I'm trying to go see some pretty sights. I got my sight back. Actually, I never had it. All right? So I want to see everything for the first time. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? <laughs> you guys are really special. I love you. 
How did he open your eyes? Oh my gosh. He says, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Listen to this. He throws a, he throws a juke on him. He's like, well, do you want to become his disciples too? They were like, oh no. <laughs> They're like throwing down the Torah and taking off garb. Like, I'm going to fight him. I'm ready to fight him. I will, fight, I will cut him. Uh, watch me. Do you, do you, this is what, think about it. It sounds crazy to us, but this, this is what we're seeing. Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. They held firm. And again, you know what? I don't know what I would think, right? Should be a little grace for us toward Jewish people, period. But toward this moment, because I don't know what I would think. You know, I'm a skeptic a lot of times. Anybody else skeptical? I walk with a limp. Why? Because I've been hurt, so I'm watching everything. I'm watching exits. Steve, you and I are the same. You, you were a cop, but I was born of one, okay? I'm watching everything. I got the best view of the whole house. I get to see everything, okay? And I can be a skeptic. I don't know if I would have just, like, drank the juice either. I don't know why I would have been there, and that, that, we'll talk about that in a moment. But it challenges you, doesn't it? Where was that? Okay. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. Think about it. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. No regular human would do this. See, we know that God does not listen to sinners. We know this, guys. Come on. Now, now he's teaching them. We know this. Come on. He listens to the godly man who does his will. This man is on assignment from God, clearly, because he's doing God's will. This is the scripture. This is so good. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. I wonder if he didn't have eyes. You know what I'm saying? I wonder what his blindness looked like. No pun intended. Uh, I, I wonder if he didn't have them and eyes formed in his sockets. I don't know. Uh, we'll hear about it later. But this was a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? You're such a great sinner, way more than us. He's like, mm. as they threw him out. Excommunicated, gone. Because he began to believe to talk about this man as the Christ, as the Messiah. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, which means chatter was going around, and, and Jesus, not hanging by the pool of salon, I don't know where he was at at this point. He could have been past that and journeying back, right, because he was coming for a feast and going. I don't, I don't know. It's really cool stuff, though. And he found out, and he said, he found out, and then he found him. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. When you think you're out, you're always in with him. When everybody puts, especially for following Christ, you may be excommunicated from your family, from your faith, but he'll find you, right? He'll find you. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, who is he, sir? I've had so many questions today. <laughs> who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. 
Can you imagine where we've got some dichotomy, if you will, where you've got physical blindness and spiritual blindness, and was this the moment when the man was like, ooh, I see, but now I see, right? That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He says, you have now seen him. Maybe it was the first time physically seeing him too. It probably was, right? You see me, but now you see me. It's powerful. That's how I want to see him, like the first time, like the joy of my salvation. That's what I want to see him like. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. He's flipping it. So the blind will see salvation, see me as Christ, see me as Messiah, but the ones who see, who think they have it figured out, will become blind. And that's scary. That's scary. That's really scary. Some Pharisees were with him. They heard him say this. Because you know they're picking. They're trying to pick a fight always. So they hear Jesus coming back and talking to that guy. So they won't pick a fight, right? So they come back. Are you talking about us? Are you talking about me being blind? Can you picture it? Pompous, pious, frustrated, mad, angry. You talking about me? He says, well, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. Drops the Jesus juke on him, right? He says, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. You've seen me here, but you didn't see me here. And see, there's a couple things. Man, just reading it. Wasn't that good? Just reading scripture. Couple things though that you got to get on your pilgrimage because we got worship team. I think they're making their way, and we got baptism <clears throat> cited. Couple things I want to just make sure you capture in your heart on your journey, on your pilgrimage of faith, that Jesus came from God and He came for you. He is the Son of God. It may not make sense, it may not be clear, but He came and He came for you. John nine fifteen. When he put mud in that man's eyes, he realized that you're here for me in this very moment. This is about my healing. This is about my restoration of sight. You may not feel it. You may not feel worthy enough, but he came for you. Don't believe the greatest lie that you're not enough. Because actually when you're the least, you're the most primed for him to do the most. Okay? He came for you. He also came... From God as your healer. Verse 25. Remember, the blind, the man born blind, the seeing man said, All I know is I was blind, but now I see. I got my own things that I can say, All I know is I was this, and now I'm this. Me as Justin. I have these things. That's part of my testimony that I share. But I feel like God wants to bring that to your life too. So close your eyes for just one more moment. Look within, and I want you to be intentional about where you want to see God bring healing to your life. This week of prayer and fasting is prepping us and priming us for God's move within our hearts. We waited till the end of the month on purpose for all of our family to be back, both young and old, everywhere in between, so that you can have a prepped and primed heart ready to see God heal in the way that he's going to fill in the blank right now. What is it? Is it mental, emotional, physical? What is it? Is it spiritual? 
What is it that you want to see God do this week? I want him to continue, Justin Myers is saying, to rid me of cynicism, to have the faith to see him do miracles. Okay? That's what I want. Open your eyes. He came as your Savior. The most important decision you can ever make is follow Christ Jesus with everything in you. He is the one. This is why people are taking the next step today uh, with baptism because they gave their hearts to the Lord and they want to show everybody that I did that. Okay? Repent, turn from sin, turn to him. That's what that looks like. Know that you've sinned. We all have. We're born into a world of sin. The Pharisees were born into a world of sin just as much as the man born blind, not blind anymore, was born into sin. All of us. We understand that. We believe that Jesus is the way. And then we repent and we turn toward him. We're walking this direction. Now we walk this one, okay? He says, Lord, I believe. Verses 35 through 38 is the context. And the last thing is this. My challenge to you is to not miss it. What does that mean? So about 20 years ago, I'm standing, probably 15 now. I'm flying by fast. Um, Standing at the back of a, a youth ministry event. Staying in the back room of the room, because that's what I like to do when I worship and stuff. I like heading to the back. You know, it's fun for me. So I'm standing there, and I'm talking with a good friend who was able to go on the trip with me, Kevin, who's also one of our board members, a phenomenal guy. And we stood in the back of that room, and our greatest concern was to not miss what God wants to do in our lives, through our lives. Then, but what did that look like? It was ministerial in nature. It was job-related, vocational ministry in nature then. You know what I mean? You want to grow this or you want to do that. And you... But 15 years later, Kevin and I stood in Israel and had the same conversation but with a whole different context and a whole different vision. What do we not want to miss now? Following God with everything in us. Following Jesus. What do we not want to miss now? Being good husbands. Being leaders in our home. That's what we don't want to miss now. Still, his kids are growing and going to college, but he still wants to be a good husband. Mine are not. They're still home. Still wants to be a good husband. Wants to love his wife like Christ loves the church. You know, that's what we, that's what we want to do. What else? Be good fathers. Like that Shabbat meal that I sat at, as I watched this father pray over his wife, Literally, Proverbs 31, prayed it over his wife, read the scripture over her, okay, and adored her and adorned her for what she's done to create this family, and then turned to his children, laid hands on his children, prayed over his sons, prayed over his daughters. Do you get what I'm saying? I have a responsibility not to miss it. A lot of times we draw circles of importance in our lives, and we start from the outside in, but God's trying to start here and work the circles from the inside out. First is you and him. And then you and your spouse. And then you and your children. And then you and your friends. And then you and your ministry. It's changed 15 years later. And I don't want to miss it. Any of it. Not only do I not want to miss it, but I want to enjoy it. Why are we so busy? How many of your kids are going to be professional athletes? Parents? Yeah, Scotty's might be, all right? At least in dad's eyes. How many of your kids 
Or how many of you, like, why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Why do we waste time doing things that don't matter? Have you ever thought about that? Think about what you do. Take note this week of what you do. You know, why do we spend countless hours making sure our social media looks good? And that's not even your life. That's a a projection of your life. Why don't we have good relationships? Why don't we have good health? You see what I mean by this? Why do we do what we do? And that's, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss any of it. My challenge to you on your pilgrimage. I don't post, obviously, stuff, and that's not piously speaking. I can't keep up with social media. That's way too... I can't keep up with y'all in person, let alone on a, on a platform, okay? Social media. I didn't post anything while I was there, because I don't do it anyway, so why am I going to do it while I'm there? I was present. I was trying to be present. And that's the challenge on your pilgrimage. Because you're just maybe starting for the first time now here. But be present. You could miss some of the greatest people and the greatest conversations, God conversations at your workplace, in your home, parents with your kids, kids with your parents. You could miss it because we're too busy doing stuff that doesn't matter, that, that's not eternal. It's temporal, right? I got to close this thing out. Don't miss it. Give your heart to the Lord. Repent. Be changed. And you'll see God do amazing things in you and also through you. All right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go act like Clark Kent and turn into Superman, meaning I'm changing my clothes quickly because we're going to get ready for baptism. So those that are getting baptized, you can go ahead and and make your way back to the hallway. Uh, And Bray's going to lead us in worship uh, as we prep. And then you'll find me popping out over there uh, in the baptismal. Okay? If you want to get baptized and you haven't done it yet, still can. There's a towel here for you, all right? But the challenge is this. Don't miss it. If you have not given your heart to the Lord, if you've not made Jesus your Savior, believe, repent, walk with Him. Believe that He is the Messiah, repent of sin, walk with Him, okay? That's it. I know it sounds complex. That's it. Let's go, all right? Let's worship. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at foundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Foundry WV.